The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning, Neighborhood Church. It's wonderful to worship with you this morning. Thank you, Rob, for stepping in and leading us in, uh, in worship. Really do appreciate that. As we begin this morning, um, I just wanted to say a quick prayer for uh, Pastor Dave, his family, and also uh, just those who are sick, feeling under the weather um, as we begin um, our time today. I do know that Dave is feeling uh, better and better as the days go on, um, and uh, yeah, we'll just can continue to pray for him. So let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this This morning, thank you for this church. Thank you for the winter weather and the seasons that you have designed this earth to operate in. God, I pray that we would remember that uh, as seasons change, uh, people come and go, uh, but you never change, that you are constant, uh, you are uh, continuous, that your word never fails, and and that your ways will um, uh, be eternal, that they will always exist. I pray that... uh, you would be with Dave, uh, you would be with uh, all those um, suffering from COVID, uh, recovering from COVID, and I also pray for those that are uh, just feeling under the weather. Um, I pray that uh, you would keep people safe in their homes um, this, with this cold weather. I pray that neighbors would check on neighbors, that um, those that know that, uh, they have elderly neighbors, I pray that they would care for those around them. I pray that the gospel would be at the heart of this uh, love and care as well. We pray that uh, you would be with us and be with, uh, be with our pastor and his family as they uh, just recover from illness and COVID. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're uh, going to open up uh, into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're continuing. We, we took a pause and a break uh, for Christmas, Advent, um, from our study of 1 Corinthians. But today we're going to dive back into 1 Corinthians and just to refresh our memory, 1 Corinthians was written by Paul to the church of Corinth uh, in uh, Greece. And this was a book written with the heart of Christian life at the center of it. Uh, Paul is calling the Corinthians to understand how to live and carry out their faith. And the Corinthians were off to a rough start, as we know. They were self-centered. They were focused on their own opinion, their own uh, uh their own grandeur. They were not focused on the gospel. They were not focused on loving one another and serving one another. So Paul writes this letter to to Corinth. And he's encouraging them to seek unity through love. The first few chapters have this theme of seeking unity. Even though there are disputes, even though there are disagreements, even though there are factions even among the Corinthian church, Paul writes this letter to say, pursue unity because of the gospel. The gospel is what brings you together and what unites you. So there have been divisions formed around who's speaking the most clearly and uh, emphatically and with the greatest wisdom, which is what the Greeks prized the most. But Paul wants to encourage them to follow Christ, to follow the gospel, and to follow the wisdom of the Spirit. So we're going to open up to chapter 4, 
and dive in at verse 14 and cover about six verses or seven verses today through verse 21. So let's open our Bibles this morning. Verse 14 says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you, then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with the rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Well, today's topic is uh, about authority. Paul is going to use the language of family, where he is the father of this new church of his beloved children. And as Paul exercises his role, there is a need for admonishing or warning and instructing. He even tells us that they have many guides or guardians, but not many fathers. And this word guide, in verse 15, refers to a relationship that was common back in the first century church. But it was this relationship of a, an adult, usually someone a little bit older, that followed the children around during the day, took care of them, made sure that they got to their school on time, made sure that they got home on time, would walk to and from the markets with them. But they were not, or they didn't have the authority of a parent. So Paul references this relationship to the Corinthians saying that you have many guardians, you have many guides, but he was their spiritual father. So this guardian was a person to hired, hired on to, to help the child with activities or with school while the parent was unavailable. But Paul wants to properly elevate his connection to these new believers because he has true motives for their development. He wants them to follow him as he follows Christ. Meaning he's not a hired guardian who hopes to gain favor or fame or the enjoyment of power over another because of his relationship with the Corinthian church. But Paul sees himself as a father to them that has genuine desires for them to, to follow the ways of Jesus. Right? He wasn't hired to take care of the Corinthian church. He wasn't brought in to, to care for them out of his own benefit or his own gain, but because of the gospel. And Paul wants them to see this connection. You may ask, how Paul became their father. Well, he tells us in verse 15, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So it's the very message of salvation through faith in Jesus that allows for a person's rebirth into a new family. And Paul brought the gospel to the Corinthians. And as they were born again, they now identified in this new family. And Paul is encouraging them to see him as their healthy spiritual father, someone to imitate, someone to not only guide, but also admonish and, and to warn and to direct. 
And this is the common thread of the book of 1 Corinthians. They needed a lot of admonishing. And the church is acting contrary to the teachings of the gospel. And Paul is trying to persuade these new believers in the context of this pagan city to follow the teachings of Jesus. But there's some strong language here too. Much more like a father warning their child to do what is right and what is good and what is godly. So Paul pleads with them to accept his authority, to guide them to true freedom and peace in a life that that really honors God. But accepting authority is not easy. We understand the perspective of the Corinthians, right, in our own life, in our personal development, I'm sure that we all have had authority over us that we wish did not exist. Most commonly in my own life, when I am required to do something I do not want to do, right? But no one, no one really wants to be warned or admonished or encouraged strongly, you could say, right, to do what they don't want to do. But Paul is calling, warning, and reprimanding them even, Because like the Corinthians, along with us, everyone wants his or her own way. We often consider other people presumptuous when they have an opinion about the way we run our lives or when uh, admonishing begins. We push back from authority that tries to get us to, to shift our directions, to follow what is good. No one wants any standard outside of himself or herself to tell themselves how to behave or let alone how to to live. So I know my niece Eleanor is here this morning, and I love sharing this story, so I'm going to share it again. I think I've even shared this with you guys before, but this is one of my favorite stories about authority. So uh, over uh, one holiday celebration. Our family was all around the dining room table. My niece Eleanor was about uh, two years old at the time, I think about two. She was in her high chair, and she's sitting next to her father, right? Her authority figure in the family. And she's in her high chair pushing back on the table, right? You know, of course, with her legs, and you know, she's going rocking back and forth. And my uncle, Matt, Eleanor's father said, Eleanor, bad idea. Bad idea. Of course, Eleanor just keeps pushing the limit, looking over her dad with this big grin like, really? Is it a bad idea? I think I'm having some very good time over here. And she's got this big grin on her face, and, and Matt just says, bad idea, Eleanor. Bad idea. And then, of course, she goes so far back, and she gets to that limit where she didn't come back at the table. She went back, right? And she's starting to go down. But my uncle has ninja-like reflexes. Yeah, he, he reached back and grabbed the, the table or the, the uh, chair leg, right? And, you know, pulls her back up, you know, upright. And, you know, she, her face is like, oh, you know, her eyes are so big. And she just looks around and she realizes everyone's gone silent, right? There's no table conversation anymore. And she just looks over at her dad. She goes, bad idea. <laughs> and that was so true, right? It was so True, it was a terrible idea, and I'm sure she probably saw it from her Uncle Joel across the table doing it, right, or something like that, and she wanted to do it. But, but, but you know, Eleanor is, is a small picture of how we kind of treat authority in our life, and I know for me personally it's, it's true, is that when we, when we have this voice of reason and truth that 
comes from God a lot of times, and even through other people sometimes, that, that is for our good, we have this defensiveness and we have this arrogance to think that our way is the best way, that we're doing things the best way, and we don't need anyone's input or advice. And so, like Eleanor, we can continue to push, but we have a good Heavenly Father who has good authority and who is here for our benefit. So where does this shift come then, personally, right? As we talk about authority this morning, where is this shift happening where we, we go from rejecting authority to accepting it, embracing the authority that God has placed in our life and has on our life? Well, today we're going to look at three things that we can learn from Paul's plea here to the First Corinthians. It's going to guide us in the wisdom to follow rightful authority. That leads us into our first point, which is that we should follow loving authority. This is point number one this morning. We should follow loving authority. See, Paul doesn't reprimand his church from an authoritarian perspective to get them to obey him and his ways because it's what he thinks, right? He's calling them to obedience in the gospel, but he's calling them to obedience in the gospel because he, 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 he calls them his children. And he's affectionately saying to his spiritual children, follow me as I follow Christ. His call to obedience is out of love. He's accepted this call. Paul's accepted this call from God to go to the Gentile world to preach the gospel. And this gospel is centered on the love of Christ. And Paul knows this to transform us. And so, so another way we look at this and we read in 1 John that Paul is under the authority of the gospel as well and how we should behave and treat one another when there is authority rightfully placed over us. 1 John 4, 7 through 10 says this, how we should treat one another. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or payment for our sins. You see, this is the gospel. The gospel is that God loved us and sent his son to be the the propitiation, the payment for our sin. And this is loving authority that, that God is. And this is what Paul is calling the first Corinthians to follow. His loving authority of the good news of the gospel. You see, in God's loving authority, he does not command millions of mighty angels to descend and force humanity into subjugation. But he commands his son Jesus who is ready to do his work for the Father's glory to die for the sins of the world, for us. God could command the whole world to pay for their own sins, and he would be justified in every person's penalty of eternal hell. But instead, God uses his authority and power to save his wayward children. John 10, 14 through 15 says this. 
I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, God, through Jesus, through his Son, shows us what loving authority truly is. But as many of us know, this is not how all authority is carried out in this world. And actually, much of man-made authority is based on greed and power and human glorification. Or even if there was at one time a good authority figure, a human authority figure in your life, this person may have hurt you deeply and displayed that authority in a sinful way. And this is why so many of us reject authority so easily, because it is oftentimes so corrupted. But if you can find genuine loving authority, then consideration to come under that authority is in your best interest. So that begs the question then, how can you tell if authority is good and someone is worth following? This leads us to our point number two this morning. Follow authority that follows the authority of Jesus. (laughs) Follow authority that follows the authority of Jesus. Back in 1 Corinthians, Paul says in verse 16, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Paul's not building up the name of Paul and the ways of Paul. He's concerned about Christ's ways in him. If our first point is about this heart of authority, then this second point is about the action of authority or what it replicates and practices so that we might see it and be able to test it if it's good and right and true. Is the authority or the authority figures that we follow today, right? Are we are they acting on the teachings of Jesus? These authority figures that we oftentimes give give ourselves over to. This could be a pastor. This could be a parent, a political icon, or a scientist, or cultural teacher, or celebrity. The hardest person that I personally bow to his cruel authority is honestly myself. I give authority to myself all the time. And I come to find out when I call the shots, I hurt relationships. And loving consequences which God has instated, usually follow, which lead me to repent and to apologize and and come back under his loving authority, the freeing yoke of Jesus. (laughs) Give you a kind of a, well, an illustration here. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I wanted to put in a fire log starter in our fireplace, right? And uh, so I got out a couple, um, oh, uh, a couple wrenches, didn't want to make sure that, you know, it was doing any work on the pipe, the actual gas pipe, right, the gas line. I, I wanted to take off this cap on the top and replace it with a longer log starter, right? So as I was um, trying to keep the, the pipe underneath, it went underneath the fireplace stationary, I got another uh, wrench and was trying to wrench it off, right? And um, sure enough... I just ripped that pipe pretty much uh, right through the floor, cracked the pipe. Uh, the gas was off at the time, so the, the room did not fill up with gas. But, you know, I don't consider myself a DIYer, that's for sure. I try. I definitely try. But 
You know, <laughs> it's a lot of times it's, it's, it's a spiritual picture of when I try to do things under my own power, my own strength, I, I really just crack things. <laughs> you know, I, I destroy things. And of course, we called in a plumber and, you know, he comes in, he looks at the fireplace and he takes out a couple of the, the stones there that I had put back in and he's like, yep, you definitely broke it. <laughs> you cracked it. You know, so he gets out this gigantic drill, right, that the drill bit's like this long and he goes downstairs, he drills this hole up into our, our fireplace because he's got to run a new gas line and, you know, he shows me the problem, he recognized the problem, exactly what I did <laughs> did wrong, and, but then he fixed it. Right? It was, it was perfectly fixed. We had a fire in our fireplace last night even, right? This is kind of this spiritual picture, right, where Jesus can come in with this authority. And, and when we try to do things on our own and live on our own authority, it, things can just break. And Jesus comes in and he, he, he heals us, right? He, he recognizes this and he, and he calls us to obedience in himself and repentance and to follow his ways and not our own ways, and we're left with a working fireplace. <laughs> what about Paul and what about his authority? Is, is Paul following his own authority with his life? Well, let's look at it. You know, he laid down everything as a Pharisee of Pharisees to join the church. And then to become a missionary where in many of the towns his life was in danger. And he was beaten mercilessly for his faith in Christ. Paul loved, he told the truth, he cared more about the fame of God over his own fame. And Paul was attempting to live a life fully devoted to Jesus, and this is an authority that we can follow because it comes through Christ. So this leads us into our last point of the, the morning, and that is following godly authority, following the authority that follows the authority of Jesus, and, and lastly here this morning, follow kingdom authority directly. Follow kingdom authority directly. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Well, Paul ends this section, this part of his letter. He brings up, the arrogant who are still battling for power in the church of Corinth. Paul says if the Lord wills, he's going to come and talk to them about this power that they think is power, right? But he reminds them that there is a greater authority that they are all under, and that is the kingdom of God. And when we studied the book of Matthew several months ago last, uh, last year, this was the constant theme through this book. There's a kingdom authority that, that we are all under, and our lives should respect inwardly and reflect outwardly and submit to behaviorally. One picture that has been helpful for me and I know for Pastor Dave as well in his relationship to God and his kingdom and the authority in, in, in Dave's life and in my life is this picture I want to show you. Two thrones. The first one is the picture of a self-directed life. It's the picture of someone who sits on the throne of their life, that chair you see in the middle there. That's the authority. Who calls the shots? That S represents self. You can see Christ is outside of this circle. He has nothing to do with the authority in this person's life. 
This could be characterized by a non-believer, someone who does not accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you can see the little circles inside the, the big circle. These are the interests. These are the relationships. These are the, all the behaviors of this person. They're kind of chaotic. They're sporadic. They're up and down. They're all around, right? There's no order. There's really no design. And oftentimes when we live our own life selfishly, right, this is what it feels like. It feels all disconnected and, and out of order, chaotic, frustrated. But this next picture that you'll see here is Christ on the throne of this person's life, a Christ-directed life. And, and you see all these relationships and the, the behaviors and the hobbies, everything centers on Christ, is directed by Christ, is filled with Christ. And this life results in love and joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Christ is at the center. Everything else is looking at Christ. Every relationship is centered on Christ, his ways, his love. This person trusts Christ even when obedience is difficult, even when it's hard. It doesn't make sense to us or it doesn't with our world's tone. This is what that life looks like. So as we've started this new year, I want to ask you all a couple questions, and that's, who's your authority? Who's on the throne of your life? You feel like Jesus is kind of taking a back seat, kind of, or, or is he still on the throne of your life? I know for me, sometimes in Certain moments and even seasons, it seems like Christ takes a back seat. But as we start the new year, with this passage, I think it's important that we are called to repentance, to set Christ back up on the throne of our life, that he's directing everything, he's guiding everything, and that we seek him first in our relationships and everything else. And, and if Christ isn't at the center of your life, well, what is holding you back from giving everything to God and allowing Christ to be your authority in all areas? Are there things you feel God would not approve of that you would need to give up if he sat on the throne? But if you believe that he is a loving authority and that his ways are the best ways to live and his kingdom is the highest of all authorities, then the call is to humble yourself and accept his authority in your life. Who are you allowing to be an authority in your life? I know for me, I, I um, have godly men. I have God's word. But you know, it, it's, it's always good to renew these things and, and commit to the areas where we can come under godly authority. I know here at Neighborhood Church, there's wonderful relationships that you can be a part of when you join things like neighborhood groups or be in a mentoring relationship with someone of an, old, uh, an older Christian, more faithful and um, more mature than yourself. There's also uh, discipleship groups. But if you're looking to start this new year and place Christ at the center of everything you do, there are these wonderful things we've set up here to help you, to guide you, and hopefully these things all have, like Paul says, 
Christ the sinner. The last thing I want to end on this morning is that the most freeing thing that you can do in this life is let Jesus be your king and authority and to follow him. You see, when Jesus is your authority, when he commands your affection of your life, he gives you peace. He does not burden you. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, we all live by some authority, whether it comes from another person or ourselves or Heavenly Father. It's a choice we make. But unlike the authority of another man or ourselves, which leads to brokenness, heartache, and suffering, the authority of our compassionate Heavenly Father will always lead us to spiritual and eternal peace when we follow Jesus with our whole hearts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you this morning for your goodness to us through Jesus. Thank you for looking down on us in our fragile state, um, not neglecting us, not manipulating us with the authority that you, that you have rightfully over our lives, but by God, you humbly gave up this, this heavenly seat to come down and walk amongst us, to feel what we feel, to associate with us and to live and to love beside us, ultimately to go to the cross. This authority that you have over sin and death, you're giving it away for free. I pray that we would see that this new year, that we would see a, a God who does not abuse his authority, but one who lovingly gives free eternal life to those who seek it, to those who believe in you and the cross and the resurrection. Thank you for this time this morning. Be with us as we go home. Keep us safe on the roads. Jesus, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.